Hi, I'm Jerry House. You know, I've known these shady ladies for a very long time, and I love to hear their stories, but you have to take them with a grain of salt. Now, these tales and opinions are not for the faint of heart. And this podcast is not suitable for children, but then neither is the music business. So light one up and lighten up, because you're listening to the Shady Ladies of Music City. Is this on? Are we doing it now? What are we saying again? I'm Evelyn. And I'm Susan. Some people refer to us as... The Shady Ladies of Music City. We're doing the opening of the ACM Awards, brought to you from Nashville. I thought it was extremely dull, truthfully. And I was confused about, you know, why they were singing all these old songs that I already knew. And I didn't, I haven't listened to country radio in about a year or so. Uh, But I did like the whole way it worked in terms of the opening going from one location to another. I'll tell you, I thought that the winner of the whole thing was the Bluebird. Because the Bluebird looked so good. They had it, you know, with signs and decorated and old posters. I thought it looked really good. So I thought the Bluebird was the winner of the night. But, uh, I, I, you know, I don't like this whole thing. I mean, I realize that they are constrained by the uh, uh, pandemic to only have one person on at a time. But it just, you know, it just doesn't seem to be that uh, great or entertaining. I will say this. I've never, the guys all looked, they did not look good. They all had on frumpy shirts and, uh, you know, Keith Urban had a little bling on his uh, jacket, but, you know, he looked like he had on snow boots. And uh, Eric Church looked a little better, but they all looked like they were, you know, out in the backyard having a beer as opposed to on uh, an award show. So I think that it'd be better if they got a little more dressed up, a little more festive. Now, the women were much more festive than the men. But the men were just kind of, you know, they were like they weren't on a show at all. Well, I think that's normal. You know, that's part of their look and their image and all that. But in a normal award show, you have all these presenters and people (laughs) that are dressed up, you know, because, you know, that's their moment. But that was what I think, you know, kind of was weird was not having, you know, all of the different kinds of, you know, presenters and sort of middlemen. I didn't miss them, though, truthfully. Um, and I kind of liked it as a more acoustic kind of intimate thing in terms of the performances on stage. Uh, I didn't miss the audience at all. Um, but I think that, that it just wasn't quite as festive as an award show because you, you missed all the presenters. Well, you missed the interaction between the artist and the audience. And, uh, but I just thought that, you know, I just thought that the guys were dressed way too low key. That was just my feeling. Uh, I like the overhead shots they did moving from the Ryman to the Opry. Those were good, but it made, you know, it kind of made everybody look like they had high foreheads. You know, those overhead shots, in my opinion. I thought the, the way that they, uh, you know, they lit everything, it was really cool. I thought that the Ryman looked wonderful where... I think it was on Kane Brown. They had uh, that chorus of singers spread out through the uh, balcony of the uh, Ryman. I thought that was a that was. Cool I'll tell you the the main thing oh. is that the show had more diversity than it's ever had before, and obviously they went for that. And uh, 
For me, the standout performance of the whole night was Mickey Guyton. But she was fantastic, and I was so impressed with Keith Urban playing the piano for her. I did not know that he could play, you know, uh, a piano to accompany someone. And she was just fantastic. And she was the standout performance for me. She was also the only live performance from the Opry House, which I thought was kind of interesting. She was the only live performance. Uh, where did, uh, Tennille Towns, where did she sing from? She was wonderful. I loved her song. I thought she was great. But for, you know, but, but Mickey Guyton was shocking because I've never heard her before. And she was so good. Her voice was so good. Keith Urban sounded so good. If that was pre-recorded, he had on the same outfit. Well, no, he wasn't pre-recorded. It was the only uh, live thing that was well, done he, there. I thought, she, I thought it was a really great moment, too. It was the highlight of the show. Well, it was a needed highlight. And, I, you know, I think that... You know, for the past few months, you know, maybe the past year, this, with all of the Me Too and, and Black Lives Matter and everything that's happening, I mean, the spotlight has been turned to some degree. On well, Me show. Too didn't have anything have to, to do with it. It was all, you know, diversity and Black Lives Matter. And uh, Jimmy Allen was also good. I was not blown away by his song. Like, I thought her song was great. And Kane Brown is really, really good, and he's good no matter, you know, when you see him. He's an excellent uh, writer and performer. I was impressed with him a lot. Uh, I was sad Darius Rucker didn't sing, because I always love to hear him. He has such a great voice, and he looked really handsome in that suit. I thought he looked fantastic. And I also thought that uh, Dan and Shay looked very dressed, too, in their, you know, white shirt and black jackets. They looked great. Well, I thought I liked how Miranda looked on. Uh, I liked Miranda's look in The Bluebird, and I really yeah, loved her great. song. Yeah, she's great. And it was great to see her in that kind of, you know, kind of intimate situation. And I thought, you know, some of the new people, you know, I'm used to, you know, a certain number of people that I wasn't that interested in seeing them perform again, but from the news side... I really like that guy, Morgan. Yeah, Morgan Wallen. He's really good. That's how I felt about uh, Tennille Towns, somebody's daughter. I had never uh, heard her before. Yeah, she's also on my list of the new people I liked. I thought it was she was very, very gutsy. I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was, you know, kind of uh, unusual and brave of even uh, the ACMs to, to give a uh, performance slot. To that song and that whole idea. Yeah, I mean, she was great. Know, maybe country music is finally getting hipper to, you know, what's going on in the world. And and she is, I think she is the new, I think she's the female, new female artist. I'll tell you what else I like. I like that uh, Red Akins and John Pardee song, a Ain't Nothing That a Beer Can't Fix. I thought that that was a really good song, and they sounded great together. And I was not that familiar with John Pardee. And uh, I thought that he was really good. I liked that song a lot. So, you know, Red Akins is obviously a really uh, talented guy. And uh, I was happy that he and <laughs> Carrie split the award. Because uh, I think it's good for a woman to win Entertainer of the Year. Wasn't it Thomas Rhett? That's right. Well, that just goes to show yeah, that I'm Thomas still in the Rhett. last decade. Thomas Rhett. 
I thought that him, I said I have it written down, right? Ain't, ain't nothing that a beer can't fix. But uh, I really like him. He's really good. And uh, that John Pardee, they, did you see the little dance they did? They did like a yeah. little dance across the stage, which I thought was uh, very cool. Because certainly, you remember back in the day when, you know, they would have uh, dancers with everybody, which I guess they can't do anymore. But I remember years ago when they had that show, uh, The American Country Countdown or whatever it was from Florida. And poor Ricky Van Shelton, you remember they had all those tacky dancers with him? Yeah, no, well, I I, they have no dancers. Nobody dances anymore. Well, and, you know, it's not like country, you know, other than, you know, the those line dances and stuff. I mean, the performers in country music have never been known to dance that much. Good gosh. Some of them can hardly, you know, amble out onto the uh, stage. But I remember when they had that American Country Countdown. I remember they filmed it in Disneyland, I think in Orlando. And, uh, and they had all those weird yeah. dancers with Ricky Van. But I thought it was really cute that uh, Thomas Red and John Pardee did a little dance together. I thought it was really cool. I thought a lot of the songs were really mediocre, you know, truthfully. I thought, you know, they're not terrible. They're not great. They just fall into that big middle ground of uh, sameness. But, you know, I think that's the problem. You know, maybe I don't know why it is that way. It's almost like... Group writing sometimes leads to, like, group thinking, and it gets a little boring. Um, I thought the whole show could have used, a, you know, a good kick in the ass. In well, that's of, why it was so great when Eric Church had the thing with uh, Johnny Cash singing a Ragged Old Flag. That was fantastic, and then he sang his song. I love Eric Church. I thought he was the, the most animated of everybody. And the video of Johnny Cash singing that, you know, doing the recitation was great. And his song, uh, Put That in Your... What is that? Put That in Your... No, no, it's something else. It's In Your Country uh, Song. <laughs> put That in Your Song and Sing It or something else. But Eric is always, you know, different. I think it's Put That in Your Country Song. Yeah, Stick That in Your Country Song. Uh, he's really good, and I, you know, I was so happy to see Johnny Cash on the show. Uh, I'll tell you, Carrie Underwood really nailed those women in country music songs. I mean, you know, the only thing that I thought, and that Evelyn, we both thought, was that she didn't do a Tammy song, but she was fantastic on the uh, Patsy song, on the Loretta song. Well, she's a fantastic singer, and those are great songs, so you would expect that, you know, she should sing them great. But I thought that, you know, it was kind of a shock, actually, for me to see the different mix of women. And, you know, it's probably time for there to be a different mix of women when they talk about the legends. You know, for so long it's been the same group. And they opened it up a little bit, you know, this time with having Barbara Mandrell to have Reba, to have Martina. And but it was also Legend weird category. to see them put into that you know category of being over, which means that they're not competing for female you know vocalist or some of the, you know that kind of. It's, it's like they kick you into a, a different uh, category now of the legend. But you know that's normal too because they are legends. You know, God knows. You know, Reba and, and uh, Martina and Barbara have had you know decades long. Careers, so they are, you know, 
they deserve that, but it's weird to see a change. Carrie looked fantastic, and she just can sing anything. And she sounded fabulous on all of their songs. I was really impressed with her uh, interpretation of uh, Martina's song. She did so fantastically. But I wish that they had included Tammy. Once again, Tammy gets short shrift. Nobody remembers her. You know, they could have done any one of her songs. You know, if ha if they had to, they could have done uh, Stand By Your Man. But I was I was kind of surprised they didn't include Tammy in it. I don't know why that is that Tammy gets such short shrift. Well, I mean, Carrie has, you know, done several uh, Tammy kind of tributes throughout the years. So, you know, if you don't have somebody in the room fighting for you, then you don't get the uh, spot. You know, that's the reality of everything still. I, what did you think about two uh, entertainers of the year? <laughs> I thought it was great. I did too, but I also thought it was kind of interesting because, you know, there's certainly been a lot of pressure in the last, you know, six months or, or probably the last few years for, you know, Carrie to get recognized because, you know, she's a big headliner. She, God knows she's had tons of success and it sort of seemed like, you know, that kind of male-dominated thing of only one she, or two She dollars. won Entertainer of the Year in 2009 and 2010. Yeah, but that was 10 years ago. But nonetheless, she did win it. And so I was glad that she split it with uh, Rhett. I mean, Thomas. Rhett. I don't know. I, you know, it's just, I thought it was a little strange, you know. that There must have been votes for half of them. Although, I don't know. How do they well, that's what it would votes have to on be the ACM? Time. What? ACM members. Remember that? <laughs> I thought yeah, the closing of the show was really good with On the Road again. And then, yeah, you know, with Willie and, and, and everybody. It was very uh, poignant, really, for the performers, you know, of them thinking about getting back on the road again. So that was kind of a cool thing, I thought. But now there's, there was a, there was an, I didn't know who some of those people singing were. Did you? Well, I think they were all, a lot of the new young people, you know, because I saw some of the people that we talked about, Riley Green, and then we saw uh, Tony Towns, Tennille Towns, and, uh, I saw different people like that in it, so I figured they must be doing all of maybe the new, uh, new Yeah, people. well, they did new people that I had no idea who they were, but I was so glad to see Willie. I mean, I guess I'm just showing my age, because I was so happy to see Johnny Cash, and also Willie. But, you know, Willie, I thought, sounded great. You know what I thought was a little bit strange, and I mean, I can kind of, you know, justify it in my own head. I could take it either way. But, you know, as we just talked about, you know, uh, Mickey's uh, performance was really the only live one at the um, Opry House. Opry House? And wherever the nominees were, I'm, I'm not quite sure, but the winner always seemed to be, you know, at the door of wherever they needed to be. So I wondered if they, you know, people sort of knew who won before the actual telecast since there didn't have to be any reaction or the people were just hanging there anyhow and so they would pull, you know, get all the nominees for that particular award, you know. That was get. a little too coinky-dinky. I don't know. I think that everybody at the ACM, I think they all know who's going to win. And I think they almost had to do it that way because of the stupid pandemic. 
You know, they couldn't have had, you know, somebody in another city with, a, you know, cameras following them or ready to do anything. No, but supposedly they were saying that all the nominees were in the various parking lots of the different venues. But since only one place had one live performance, maybe they were all out down at the uh, Ryman or something. Uh, having and what, did they take a helicopter to win? Well, where was the show? It was at all three places. So when they announced the well, winners, he was at Keith as the host was at the uh, Opera House. I was happy to see Old Dominion win. Very happy because they won two. They won two awards: best song and uh, I forget what else. Probably best. But they, uh, yeah, they they uh, they've been around a while and they really are hard workers. And uh, you know, they're people that have loved country music for years. So I was happy to see them win. Uh, I'll tell you, Keith I thought Urban Tim sounded just, great and looked great. Who? Tim McGraw. I'm always happy to oh, see him. Oh, yeah, he him. did. He always does. He always looks great, and, uh, you know, he always has great songs. We've discussed it. He, you know, for somebody that doesn't write, he can really pick fantastic songs. You know, and when he sang that, I called Mama. It was it was really a an emotional m moment of the show for me. He, you know, he did great. I thought. Who else? I'm thinking. Uh, Blake well, and Dan Gwen. And Blake and Gwen. That was very uh, cute. Yeah. Always very cute, and Blake is always very charming, and so is she. I'm happy to see that the country community really kind of embraced her. You know, because they're not always you know that welcoming to everybody. But they seem, you know, particularly from a different music format, but they seem to really uh, like her. That They really like Blake. I'll tell you, the only thing that I was disappointed in was the Keith Urban and Pink song, because I'm a huge Pink fan. And the song to me was nothing. It may, you know, was not a great song. It was not that much of anything. And I was kind of disappointed in it. And, you know, Keith normally has really good songs. Oh, and then we haven't talked about Taylor Swift's return to a country music stage. Well, I loved her song, that song, Betty. I thought it was fantastic. and I th She's gotten so much better at singing and playing the guitar and everything. She's so improved. And the so I love the song. Well, I was confused and, and, you know, by the song, actually, you know, as you know, because we discussed it. I wasn't quite sure... That I didn't realize it was from a male point of view. I didn't like listening. I did. I obviously didn't hear every single lyric, but uh, I, it was very reminiscent to me of her early stuff. You know, that really kind of, you know, young teenage kind of, you know, look at love, which it is, but from a boy's point of view. Uh, but I very, knew, you know, I knew it was a boy's point of view because I didn't think she was doing, you know, a gay song. And uh, it, it was really a, a touching song. You know, the big mistake that he made was, you know, he'll never forget Betty. And I thought I thought it was a great song. I think she's really a great songwriter. I don't know if she wrote that by herself or not, but uh, it was really a great song. And I love that it was harkened back to the old stuff because it was from this folklore album that, uh, you know, was different than her, her pop stuff. And uh, I loved her look with the bangs. I liked the whole thing. I, and they said that she did her own makeup and hair. And, uh, you know, I'm sure her fans loved that song. Well, we didn't talk about Trisha either doing the uh, 
the tribute to the uh, deceased artist. I but thought it was that one was very segment. nice. It wasn't just deceased artists, all kinds of deceased people in... Uh, uh, well, people in the music. entertainment yeah. business. She sounds great. She always sounds great. She can, you know, Trisha can sing, you know, the paint off the walls. And anything. I'm always happy to hear her anything. sing. Yeah. Me too. She can sing anything. And at first I thought, oh my God, they're not going to have any pictures of the people that passed. And I was not aware of all the people that died. But, uh, you know, then they showed the pictures and I thought it was very good. I was glad that they included her in the show. Me too. You know, I don't know who else could have sung that. Then there was Gabby Barrett, who was a uh, new country artist, a female. Yeah, I really I liked her, too. I really liked her, and she had the man with her. I don't know who he was. He had kind of a grim look, but, uh, you know, she encouraged me to think that there are a lot of new females coming along, like Tennille Towns and Gabby Barrett and... Uh, at uh, Mickey Guyton and whoever else there were, that uh, there's some good females coming along, not just males. And I that was, was probably the good thing about the award show being the way it was, you know, with no banter and presenters and all that. It gave, you know, these people and along with the new guys that we uh, talked about, you know, like uh, Riley uh, Green and whoever. Um, Kane gave Brown. them a shot at a performance spot. Well, Kane Brown's a big star. He would have had a performance spot with or without, you know, the changes on the ACMs. But there were at least six newcomers on the show that you would never normally see on the ACM awards. That You know, you're lucky if you can get one or two new people. But they had a bunch of them on. So that was kind of uh, interesting and exciting, I thought. Yeah, Jimmy More Allen Wallen, being on. I thought Who? that Morgan Wall that Morgan Wallen. Oh yeah, you liked him. I liked him a lot. I liked his song a lot, and uh, I was happy that he had a performance spot. E even though I miss Kenny and some of his songs, like "Somewhere with You," and you know, even Trace Atkins, you know, had some great ballads. Uh, remember the one about uh, about the the daughters growing up so quickly? I can't remember what the name of that was. But Trace had a great song, too. There were no huge emotional ballads in this show. That's one thing I'll say. And uh, no... I don't think big... there were any huge emotional songs, really. No. You know? I mean, there were interesting songs. Even the Taylor song. I mean, that's not a huge emotional song in the sense that it's, you know, kind of age-specific. You know, I don't think people in their 50s are sitting there dreaming about that. But, well, you know... No love songs either. No big love songs. Uh, you know, Gabby Barrett's song was a little bit of a love song. Uh, but none of the other songs uh, were big love songs at all. Or big Although, songs. I mean, not big statement songs and not big emotional songs and not big any kind of songs. Uh, no, and, and that, know, we didn't... Friends in Low Places songs. <laughs> No, there was not even a song that was anthemic, like like no shoes, no shirt, no problems. No song that had one of those anthem phrases that people. The only thing was on the road again when that right. came on. It was like ah, oh, that I know just... that song, and you know even that song. It's five o'clock somewhere that Alan and, and Jimmy Buffett had. You know that was anthemic, and people still remember that today, and have used that in a lot of different uh, uh, ways, but. There was nothing like that on either. 
Did did you did you think that Kelsey Ballerini sort of reminded you of um, Barbara Mandrell? She did because when I was she's watching, a, and I thought, God, she's just like Barbara Mandrell, which is good, you know, like an all around entertainer. You well, can she see is. her hosting a show. Um, you know, she's very comfortable like that. Lori Morgan used to be like that. I always thought that Lori could have been a great talk show host. She was so yeah. Kelsey with Kelsey could do that too, and she can dance, and uh, she's funny. I think that Kelsey's funny. And uh, I thought that, yeah, she does kind of remind me of Barbara Mandrell. And uh, more so than, let's just say, a Loretta or a Dolly. And uh, very pretty. Uh, she was very pretty and very stylish. Uh, a lot of the females, you know, were not very stylish. Let's just face it. Now, Mickey Guyton's outfit was good. And yeah, I thought Carrie, Carrie Underwood had some great outfits on. Well, I happen to like Florida Georgia Line, and especially when they did that song with Nellie. I thought they were very forward, you know, forward acting doing that. But I didn't, I somehow missed their song, and I didn't know that the guy was on a scooter. Well, he had his knee up on one of those things that you get when you hurt your foot, and you walk and scoot at the same time. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that was kind of painful, but he managed to zip around the stage and dance. And uh, did he good for him? Yeah, he yeah he was right in there dancing across the stage. I know how much you like that. Well, because remember, I mean, you know, like uh, certain people did little dances. Now, remember, I, did I was telling you about when they had that Hot Country Nights? That was the name um, of that show. Let's, yeah, let's forget that. That's a whole other thing. Let's talk about Luke Combs and and his big success and how much people love him and how. Great it is that he's giving back to the vets, and, you know, that's the one good thing about country music is they do tend to, you know, stay... They uh, do tend to give to the vets, and, and, and also Tim McGraw has done that, too, and has uh, built houses for them with Habitat for Humanity. So have Garth and Trisha. I mean, you know, specifically for veterans. I mean, that was what I think Tim's tour was a year or two ago. It was, you know, every city that he toured into, he gave a house to a house veteran, away. Which yeah, really cool. So Luke Combs is involved in that too, and I think that's really good to continue on the tradition of that. Well, I thought they should have given away trucks because well, yeah. Ford could afford to give away trucks to these guys. They should have, you know, I mean, the idea of the guitar is for them to, you know, uh, find, you know, peace and comfort in, lear in learning how to play the guitar and then not being able to play the guitar. But I thought it was, you know, they could have left all the big names and logos and, you know, uh, white lettering or whatever it was across the front of the guitar and been a little bit more discreet to put it on the... Uh, uh, guitar case, but you know, I mean, what guy's going to want to, you know, have this guitar with a huge Ford and, you know, help the vets or whatever it said. I know, and when he said, and I have some, I have some gifts for you all, and I thought, God dang, he's going to give away trucks. And then he said, and here they are, and then he brought guitars. out these guitars. I, I know, but isn't it typical? The star got the truck, and the vets got the guitars. The, the guitars, lighting. exactly. Typical. We were talking about the fact that, you know, the the only live performance at the Opry House was uh, Mickey and uh, Keith. And that made me realize, of course, that most of the performances were pre-recorded, but everybody was trying to come off like they were doing it live there at the moment. 
And I wonder if it wouldn't be more effective if they had used, you know, that quiet moment time to tape, you know, in a location to record it somewhere that might have had a bit more significance. The faking the live thing and pretending there's an audience there was not that interesting to me. I think it would be more interesting if they did more, you know, intimate, uh, personal performances. Well, I wish they had bigger songs and more emotional moments, but they don't, and that's what's going on now, and maybe it's because of the pandemic, and maybe nobody's thinking about romance and, you know, tragedy, but, you know, it seems to me that everything's been tapped down. I don't know what else they could do to make the shows more interesting. I mean, you know, people could interact more together, but they can't do it because of the goddamn pandemic. So I don't know what they could do to make these shows more interesting. You know, they well, could... I, I found some of these things to be interesting. I thought that the conventions, for instance, the Democratic convention, uh, was really interesting, the way that they did that. And I think that... Uh, you know, a lot of the Zoom kind of concerts we had talked about, you know, the Paul McCartney did it and whoever, you know, all these different people that didn't necessarily sound great. It was like a live moment. Um, but that doesn't mean, it, it, you know, that the artists couldn't, you know, fix it. Since everybody, you know, is, is not, I guess, not taping, whatever they call it nowadays, you know. Well, they could have Zoomed it. in. And had a Dolly moment and a Loretta moment and a Willie moment and a Kenny moment. And they could have zoomed in with some of these other artists and, you know, made it maybe perhaps a little more interesting instead of well, making it. I think it that, the, that, that the obvious, you know, performance loss, I think that they should look at, you know, as, you know, their own personal, you know, three to five minutes and do whatever the hell they want to to present their song the way they want it to be presented. Maybe the yeah, only but time then instead of in their lives they ever get to do that where, you know, the, the vision that they have might not be the same as TV award show producers, you know, I don't know. I don't think anybody's going to remember these shows at all. No, because they make them very ordinary. They do make them very ordinary, and the music is ordinary, and everything is ordinary. I don't know. I think that they could zoom in and have some different people in there. You know, have some artists that people might remember, like a Travis Tritt or a Lori Morgan. or well, people I don't that think we can just keep, you know, harping on the fact that, you know, they should include old artists. Those, you know, old artists at one time were new and monopolized, you know, all the time, too. Uh, but I think that, you know, they... And I, again, I'm happy that they were able to present probably, you know, six new acts in that show, which is, you know, pretty unusual for an award show. I didn't miss the audience at all. I mean, I know that the energy of, of you know, a crowd favorite and having, you know, the audience, you know, really applauding whoever wins. Um, you know, that's the only thing that, you know, I think would be the big miss in it all. But, you know, having stupid audience reaction shots to me are always uncomfortable anyhow. Okay, this has been our impression of the ACM, which was the first ACM show to ever be done in Nashville, and also the first ACM show to ever be done in a pandemic where there was no audience. And I think that people are really trying hard to make these shows interesting and good, and the sound quality is the best I've ever heard it on these shows. Normally, when they have these live shows, the sound never sounds good. But, you know, I'm looking forward to doing, well, we have three or four more shows to do, three or four more interviews to do, 
And hopefully by 2021, we can go back to doing them together. You know, it's it's odd to be doing it this way, but I'm sure we're not the only people suffering in this pandemic of having to revise our uh, protocol. Well, I think that, that they did a good job on the show, truthfully. It must have been very difficult. There hadn't been that many before it. You know, now different award shows will have seen different, you know, have seen this show and other shows. By the time they come up, they, they can expand on the ideas. But I thought they did a great job. You, you know, it was clever picking three different locations like that and uh, containing, you know, different groups of people so that everybody wasn't all together in the same place getting people sick. Um, so I thought they did, you know, a nice job. I thought that the uh, sets, you know, in the different venues were very effective. And... Um, It'll be interesting to see how the shows go down the road. I imagine, you know, with the way things are going, we'll have to go through another ACM Awards next year in a very similar situation because I doubt that we'll all be out and about by then. Well, um, these are we are the Shady Ladies, and we are the Shady Ladies of Music City. It's, we're working on the second season now, and... Um, Hopefully, we'll be able to announce very shortly when it's going to start. But like everybody, you know, there are certain constraints due to um, the pandemic that we have to overcome in order to get a whole season prepared. Thanks for listening. You be sure to subscribe and we'll be sure to catch you off guard. So light one up and lighten up. So share and tell your friends. Then rate, review, and subscribe. Don't be quiet about this. We need you to tell everyone because why is someone going to listen to this? No one has any idea who that we are. So it's up to you to get us known. It has to be a viral thing. It has to be a uh, you know word of mouth thing because we're putting our faith in your hands. We are. For more information on the podcast, please visit www.shadyladiesofmusiccity.com. Shady Ladies of Music City is recorded and produced in Nashville, Tennessee, and is presented by Monument Records. Executive producers are Jason Owen, Shane McAnally, and Katie McCartney. Our producer is Sarah DeHilly. Our theme song is written and performed by Robert Shavers. He is also our engineer and editor.